Welcome back to the Thinking Fourth Dimensionally podcast. I'm Devin. We, I'm Josh. Where we talk about movies and video games and other forms of media and just have a discussion, analyze it, and hopefully have a good time. If you hear any squeaks, I apologize. Our dog thinks it's playtime. Yeah, somehow, <laughs> for some reason, we let our dog into the studio, so she thinks it's playtime, but... The third one was released a year after, but they were both filmed at the same time. That's why at the end of Back to the Future 2, there's a, uh, like they a... concluded. Pro- well, no, it's, there's a promo slash oh, preview yeah. for the third movie, because they already had everything filmed. Um, fun fact, the makers of Back to the Future, they didn't intend to have a trilogy. They didn't plan on having sequels in general. So about a month ago was our first podcast, which was the first Back to the Future movie. Then the following week, we took a week off because of life things. Um, Then we, last week was the 4th of July, so we talked about Independence Day. And now finally, all all of you have been waiting, we're finally going to finish off the the rest of the Back to the Future trilogy. So today we're discussing parts two and three. Yes. So Back to the Future 2 released in 1989 Mm -hmm. four years after the first one so the first movie kind of leaves with a cliffhanger where doc shows back up and says oh we gotta do something about your kids blah 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 and so it's like it kind of makes you think there's gonna be a sequel but they just did that when they made the movie it was just to be like a fun thing a fun way to end the movie but because the movie was such a hit the universal wanted they wanted make more money so they Basically, they asked uh, Zemeckis and Bob Gale, they're like, can you make, can you make a sequel? Or I can't remember if maybe they, they actually wanted two more. I think they wanted to make a trilogy. And they, didn't, they weren't really interested at first because they told the story they wanted to tell. So they kind of just, they were kind of leveraged into it. And they're like, fine, you want us to make a sequel? Then we'll do a sequel. And so basically what they did was just make the same movie again and then again. Yeah. <laughs> kind of almost like the same plot line in a way. But, but with its own, each movie has its own nuance and its own character, so I think it still works extremely well uh, as a trilogy. So Back to the Future 2 starts right off with, did you notice something different about? Jennifer. Yes, there's a she, re- recast. She's completely different. Her face changed. Continuing the, uh, the trend of recasting on this production. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you know why the other Jennifer left? Money? I don't know. I'm actually oh, no, asking. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have an answer. I was actually asking. Nope, no idea. I meant to look that up. And then you also have one of my favorite quotes right at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. which is, roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Yes. The flying car of 2015 that never happened. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if I like that quote because of the pilot in me i just it's like well yeah we're in an airplane you don't need roads you just you need open air you're up in the air of course when it's time to land it'd be nice to you have a road some or sort of something to land on solid surface but i just think it's a it's kind of a badass quote mm-hmm. Definitely. So. so in the future they go to like i said 2015 what do you how do you feel about the 2015 of the the movie funny that you should ask i actually have a note about this 
Um, I think it was. I think it was cool. I mean, anytime you're watching a movie that's taking an approach on what they think the future is going to look like, of course, this this movie was more like this is what the future of our Back to the Future universe would look like. But it was also it's also a product of its time, I think. So it was made in the '80s, and a lot of what you see in 2015 is like it's like futurized versions of 80s things yeah definitely so like you have the the hoverboard it's all it's in it's actually kind of a 90s design with the, the pink and the, the bright green and everything the design and of it but um his you know the nike shoes and his jacket it all looks like just 80s style things but modeled to look futuristic mm-hmm. yeah and speaking of hoverboards have you seen the poor excuses for hoverboards they have these days they're they're basically like they, they have wheels they're not hoverboards so i hate that they call them hoverboards well it depends there's a couple different ones i've seen one where it actually does hover you just don't have any directional control over it well all like the the ones like because i've seen kids have them and stuff they all have like wheels yeah they that's so yeah the thing where it's it has a wheel on each side and you stand on it yeah that's not that's they call it a hoverboard yeah, but that's not stupid. supposed it's not supposed to be like the Back to the Future one. There are other inventions out there that are more similar to the Back to the Future hoverboard. Um, it just it doesn't have any practical function mm. whatsoever, whereas that you can actually get around on it. Uh, so in the intro also, because they, it starts off with the flying car and then they zap into the year 2015, which is for them in the future. It's now ancient history for, for us in this timeline. Ancient? <laughs> Yeah, it, f- it feels it, it feels <laughs> like it though. Um, it reminded me though of because uh, it was just really crazy and wild. You know, they're coming into all these other flying cars, and it reminded me of the Back to the Future ride at Universal, which you never got to go on, no. unfortunately. But I went on it when I was a kid, and I remember just absolutely loving it because it was just the coolest thing. You get get into like a they like built. A model of the car and that's what you sit in and it oh, was cool it was fun it was one of those like it had a screen so everything was done through the screen but mm. the the ride still moved along like with the simpsons ride no that one didn't move and that was the problem it, it didn't it might have moved a little bit but not I, enough i thought to... it shifted but yeah that was that was bad yeah you turns out you can get motion sickness without actually moving <laughs> so um, yeah, I just thought that was, it was just a fun little thing that it reminded me of that ride, which you can, I mean, you can look it up on YouTube, and I think our Blu-rays actually have the ride mm-hmm. on here, so you can still relive that memory if that's cool. If you want to. They're just trying to cash in on the Back to the Future. Yeah, I don't, they, they somehow managed to get, get that name, so people buy it due to the name recognition. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that the future scene was fun because, you know, you get to see, oh, it's Hill Valley in 30 years. And uh, we mentioned, I mentioned this while we were watching it. It's really fun to just, when you watch the scene, to look at all the stuff in the background and see all the like subtle things that they changed, mm-hmm. like the uh, Jaws nineteen, directed by. It was uh, nineteen. Yes, it was Jaws nineteen because it was like, and it was directed. 10. I guess I was a little off. Directed by well. I thought I saw a ten, but it might be nineteen. You yeah. need to clean your glasses. Maybe. So. Um, I think it was like Mark Spielberg or something was the director, so it was like insinuating that oh it's a descendant of Spielberg, and 
because they're almost like they were picking making fun of the jaws franchise itself which is funny because steven spielberg himself produced this movie but they're poking fun at the fact they just kept kept making sequels to jaws so they're like oh it's still going it's jaws 19 and then uh marty has a line that it, the shark still looks fake yeah which is funny that is funny yeah i like and they show the uh the new gas station the Texaco. So, yeah, I like that they like. Which again isn't like an '80s thing. Yeah, but... and they introduced like the whole, um, the whole square, like they did when he went back to the '50s, where it's you know they show all of it, and then they come back in in 2015, and they show like this gas station that doesn't have people anymore, but it comes and waits on you and does its whole thing, and yeah. Yeah. So let's see. That's kind of in this Still kind of not. Yeah, I'm waiting for that though. This kind of goes back to what I was saying before, where they take a. a a lot of everything that happens in the first movie it's like they do it again in this one they just rearrange it a little differently yeah so which is one of those things that's i mean you could you could argue that uh you could you could make the argument that it's lazy writing or you could just say well it's well maybe their message is that well history repeats itself and you know some things never change yeah i mean some of the things they got right was like the uh biometrics like when uh jennifer goes home her thumbprint yep um when she goes in and the police officers tell her that it's not safe to go in without the lights on lights on and she says lights on and the lights yep. turn on that's like the whole alexa thing mm-hmm. we're not did, did we tech, did you but... look up when uh microwaves were invented <laughs> i didn't look up specifically when micro uh, micro microwaves were invented but frozen pizza was invented in the 1950s well, they, they still had ovens at that point, so... I'm just curious because with the, the humidifier, which they used to cook the, the little tiny Pizza Hut disc in the future, and then it, it takes, like, three seconds, and, not, and you have a full-size Microwaves pizza. Microwaves were invented in 1946. Okay, that makes sense. Because there was a lot of... The 50s was, like, everyone was afraid of, like, nuclear and radiation... And the radiation, it's like what they use in microwaves, so. Foreshadowing, things that are to come, uh, which is what, one of the the things that the first movie did so brilliantly was, and we talked about this, how it's one of the examples of almost perfect script writing, where everything that they show early in the movie has a meaning, and it comes back later on in the movie. And they do that with a few things in the sequels as well. Um... So a lot of the callbacks is like, so again, immediately they go to 2015. Uh, Marty gets into some shenanigans. It has something to do with his his kid and all that. Uh, But then he ends up in a street chase with Griff. uh, Biff's Biff's grandson, right? This family really needs to start picking better names because Biff (laughs) and Griff and... Well, there's Buford was in the... 1800s yeah. that's a little different it's kind of different i think he started it so um yeah he gets so yeah so they, so they had the street chase with with a tannin which is exactly like beat for beat exactly the same thing that happens in the first movie um which again you could say it's like oh they're just being lazy and doing the same thing over again but no i think it's that's the point that they're trying to make though is that history does repeat itself and Especially if you if you don't do anything to change it, then this is the way that the, that time is gonna go. So, 
Doc is always talking about not messing with things in the timelines. Yeah. You don't mess with it. However, he specifically comes back to get Marty to mess with the timeline because of his kids. It's like he cares so much about Marty and his family that he can't let something bad happen to them even though it's going to mess up the timeline. And that's the thing that he keeps warning Marty about. Don't yeah. do anything because yeah. you're going to mess up the timeline. I, I've, I've thought of that too watching at the end of Back to the Future 3 when he comes... So a bunch of stuff happens throughout these two movies and he keeps saying that we need to destroy the time machine because all it's done is cause chaos and problems. Well, then at the the end of the series is, oh, well, he actually made another time machine out of a train. So it's like, I so I guess all that, uh, you know, not, not screwing with the timeline and all, that just doesn't matter anymore. Yep, doesn't matter. Um, but I don't know. It's it's one of those things, it's like you can argue that that's a, a hole in the, the story, but it's like, I, I kind of let it go. It's like, I mean, it's still fun. Yeah, And it it's, it's cool to see a giant train time machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And speaking of timelines, poor Uncle Joey. He's still behind bars in every single timeline. Yeah. Like that poor guy. What did he do so bad? Like, what? Yeah, can somebody I, change his? Well, you, also, a lot of, in the movie, you can kind of argue uh, there might be some destiny involved. And maybe that's just Joey's destiny is he's, he's going to be a criminal. Gonna be behind bars. Yep. Maybe, maybe he's maybe he's not even like like a vicious criminal. He's just a knucklehead. He just keeps getting just gets in himself. Trouble. Yeah, gets into trouble, like Marty's kid. Yeah, Marty's kid. He seems to be just like his grandfather before Marty met him. So like you know how George was before. Oh yeah yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of a dork, just like his his grandpappy. Yeah. Which is funny because again it's almost like there's a cycle that they're showing and just like marty we find out in the third movie acts just like one of his mm. great-grandparents who was a bit of a hothead which we'll, we'll talk more about marty and his attitude later but uh which actually so that's another thing that i want to wanted to point out is that throughout this trilogy and especially in in the sequels there's a lot of callbacks to things that have happened before as well as um it doesn't make sense to go in the future to change something because it's in the future it hasn't happened yet so if his whole goal was to keep his kids from getting into trouble wouldn't it be make more sense to just come back and break his rule and tell marty like hey if this happens in the future, make sure your kid doesn't do this stupid thing yeah. that's going to get him in trouble. Yeah, you're going to have a kid, make sure he doesn't do this But that would make thing. for a really boring sequel if that's all it is, is a, It'd be like a conversation minutes. from... Do <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I, again, you kind of have to let some of the complete logic go and be like, okay, well, movie logic. Yeah. It's... they. Have, you think of where uh, the writers and producers, have, they had to make a sequel, so it's like, well, what are we going to do? It's like, well, it'd be really fun to go in the future... 30 years and, and do something with that so I, I mean it, it, it's a movie so yeah. it's fun I enjoy it uh, and then th so throughout in these different time periods that we visit there's a big pattern of the actors playing their family so like Marty plays his daughter in the future and his son and his son <laughs> 
<laughs> and then the third movie he plays. But yes. Seamus. Seeing Michael J. Fox in a wig and makeup and a dress or a romper, whatever the heck that thing is. Skirt. Yeah. That was that was interesting. Yeah. So I didn't realize that that was him when I watched this as a kid. I, I, I thought it was just a girl who was really bad at acting. <laughs> it turns out it's just Michael J. Fox tr- pretending to be a girl mm. and not being very convincing at it. <laughs> it kind of adds to the humor of it all. I yeah, think. that's what I was thinking. It's like, because it's not like they're trying really hard to yeah, cover not, it up. They're not being well, no, serious about it all. I also think, it, yeah, it kind of adds to the fun. And yeah. it's all, well, it's kind of makes sense because your lineage, a lot of people tend to look like their relatives. So well, she could have looked like her mother. But like in the third movie with Seamus, I think that's pretty convincing of being like a, you know, an old McFly from oh, back yeah. in the day. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't look like i think that's another one when i watched it as a kid as a kid i didn't realize that it was michael j fox i thought it was no he does a good job playing a, a irishman which i'll mention this now i thought of this watching the third movie but uh thomas wilson the actor who plays biff does a very good job of playing different oh yeah different different versions of biff you know he's he's the the 50s knucklehead He's he's the jerk at the beginning of the first one. Then at the end, he becomes the the groveling one yeah. that's like, you know, scared oh, of the McFlies. Scared of the McFlies. And then then he and in the future, so we we learn in Back to the Future too, where he gets his hands on the sports almanac, goes back in time and basically creates a an alternate timeline where he now is extremely rich and powerful, and uh, so he plays that character. Where he's actually, I didn't think of this as, <clears throat> well, I'll come back, I'll, I'll circle back to this. So, um, and then in the third movie, he, he play, played Buford. Buford, who's a vicious, very vicious man. Well, a very accurate Western villain. Yeah. No, I like, it took me a second to like. They're all different, different roles and different characters, him. but he does it very. Yeah. Each role he does play, he plays it very well and very convincingly. Yeah. So I think that, and strangely enough, I haven't, can't really think of anything else I've seen him in, but I think that's a testament to his acting ability to pull all that off. So, <laughs> I guess I'll also mention in the second movie. In the first movie, Biff is just kind of he's a bully, and he's a jerk. Mm-hmm. But that's that's kind of it. That's it. Yeah. In the second movie, he's a straight up villain. Like oh, yeah. he's an like, evil person. He twirling kills villain. people. Yeah, he k- killed George. <laughs> he killed George. He's gonna kill Marty, a kid. Ow! And like he killed George for the rain. This is what I just don't understand. He is a man who has millions and millions he's a, of he's dollars. He's a woman beater. He's a woman beater. But like this man, he couldn't get past this whole high school crush that he had on the rain. Just. Mm-hmm. You know, this girl that he just can't get, he just can't get over it. So he kills her husband to be with her. That seems a little harsh. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, he just, they really cranked up his, the whole, he went from bad guy level three to like ten <laughs> in the sequel. No. Yeah, and I also, I was thinking, so when we watched the second movie this time around, um, so in the second movie... We talked about the alternate timeline, and I. One of the things that I always liked about this movie, 
we've talked about this before like time travel movies can be really really convoluted and confusing if they're not done right uh like we just recently watched um what's it called future war tomorrow the, the oh the tomorrow war that's what it was with chris pratt which is a it was a good movie it was fun but the time travel was not done well in that movie it was very all over the place and confusing but this uh, back to the future 2 when doc explains what an alternate timeline is draws it out on the board it, it's like the perfect explanation of of what he's trying to portray yeah it's still confusing and, a per, and it's a, i think it's well how so well, what's like, what are you confused about oh because like when he gets into like so the straight line and then biff's uh, in the future 2015 he got the sports almanac Went back to 1955 at some point. We don't know where. It was in the past. He went back to the past. And then, so he gave young Biff that. And then it skewed. But then, like, if you go back from where they are now in 1985, if you go back to get it, it's going to mess up things. And, I mean, I guess it's not that confusing now that I'm, like, working through it. But. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like the way he explains it. It's very, very black and white. Very simple. It's like, yeah. this is the timeline. At some point in the past, he got the almanac, which changed time, changed future so drastically that it put put you on an alternate timeline. And so he even explained, so Marty comes up, he says, well, let's go in the future and keep him from getting the almanac. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, that wouldn't work because if we go in the future from this point, it's going to be this ver- this this universe's future yeah so what we have to do is go back in time because if you go back in time before that tangent occurred then you'll have a chance to stop it yeah and and keep that original timeline flowing so forward you just have to figure out and that's when. kind of that's like time travel stories in a nutshell that's a lot of it has to do with like changing the timeline i mean that's basically what marty did in the first movie was change the timeline mm-hmm. when he came back to his parents being successful he changed the timeline it just didn't change the entire universe around everybody true but it's, it's the same idea he was just it was just drawn out on a bigger scale mm-hmm. but i think it was portrayed in the movie that uh even someone who doesn't understand quantum physics can understand the the plot of the movie yeah no what like i said once i started like talking through it i was like wait no that actually makes complete sense yeah um so at the end of the movie the movie ends with they there's a lot <laughs> marty kind of he almost sometimes i feel like the movie was dragged out a little bit because it's like marty gets so close to getting the almanac and then something happens and then he gets the almanac and then something happens and it's just like uh, it just repeats itself over and over but at the end when when Doc is in, he's in the time machine, he's flying, Marty burns the book, uh, and there's a, the thunderstorm, the famous thunderstorm of Hill Valley is going on, and the DeLorean gets struck by lightning, which then sends Doc back in time, and I started thinking, I was like, is I started thinking that might be a plot hole, because in the first movie, he makes it a point that the yeah, only way to, to travel through going. time is it has to be moving 88 miles an hour. So, like, the whole, the the climax of the first movie is harnessing the the lightning bolt in, and flowing it into the flux capacitor. To hit 1.21 gigawatts. 1.21 gigawatts. Good job. Um, 
but it has to be done at the exact moment that the car hits 88 miles per hour. So now all of a sudden, well, the car gets struck by a lightning bolt and, you know, travels through time. It's like, well, if it's that easy, why couldn't they just, why couldn't they the just, yeah, put the car on the ground, connect it to the lightning, it to the rod. lightning rod and then zap. I, so that could be a plot hole, but I think they kind of cover their tracks, uh, in the third movie. In Doc's letter to Marty from the 1800s, he explains that the lightning bolt um, overloaded the, the circuits. Mm, yeah, so, that's right. They do kind of cover their tracks there. So probably because it was the car that got struck by lightning, it wasn't actually harnessed and... In the appropriate way. So it, Yeah, it didn't go straight into the flux capacitor. It was... So it overloaded the circuit. So he didn't know where he was going to end up, I think. I can't remember if they actually showed well, the, kinda, the time circuits and if it said 1885 well, on it. Well, they showed that it was, it kept, um, like, it kept losing power and then it would come back, like, after he tapped it. Yeah, cause it he, well, because he's had issues with it. It would so say, it was, like, January 1st, 19, uh, 1885. Yeah, it was, it was glitching so, already. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. Um, so, yeah, so it kind of showed that that was kind of, like, the default setting, which I think is the default setting because... Doc always wanted to be a cowboy. Yeah. You know, as a kid, he, you know, he had, like, a fascination with that time, so that's probably why it was the default setting. Yeah, there's maybe... It's been a long time since I watched the commentaries on these, yeah. so there, there could be an official explanation, but... Probably. It was just something that I thought of when we saw it. I was, I was like, wait, if, if all it has to do is be struck by lightning, why, what was the point in the yeah. whole... Yeah, no, I agree. ...getting it up to 88? One thing that I liked that they did was... In the first movie, I pointed out when um, Marty goes into the diner and he orders a Pepsi and he pays with money he had in his pocket. I was like, um, the diner guy, like the guy who's taking his money, if he notices that money, it's going to look completely different than what it did in the 50s. Mm-hmm. So I like that in the second one, Doc has a briefcase full of money from different timelines, like not timelines, different times. Yeah, or if they see a, if they see a dollar bill that's from the future, they'd be like, "This is fake. I'm not exactly. taking it." Exactly. Yeah. So I, I like that he has the different years and everything of all the money, all the currency and everything. So I'm like, I, I like that. Yeah, he did I think that because I, I, think, I was like, money looks completely different. Even money now, like you get some that's in, like you get an old twenty at the store, and you're like, "This doesn't look real," <laughs> and it's like, "It's real. Don't worry." Yeah. Or like a two dollar bill. Some people don't know those things are real anymore. Yeah. They are, I well, promise. That's, and that's that's something that's probably that's consistent in the sequels is uh, just how much attention to detail that they had. Mm-hmm. You know, the the continuity is I mean other than other than the thing I just mentioned that maybe you could consider a plot hole, but I, I they kind of covered it in the in the third movie. But there but there is a lot of attention to detail where uh, stuff like that with the money where they know that people might um, like be like me and be might like, question it. Hey, how? And, and then we even, but even like subtle things, like we mentioned in the third movie when Doc gets his hat shot off of his mm-hmm. head, and then every scene he's wearing that hat afterwards, there's a hole in it from the bullet, and it's like a lot of movies they don't wouldn't take that. the time to movies, put in shows. that that little detail because they don't give the audience credit enough to pay attention to that, but mm-hmm. they they to- they thought of that in these movies and. No, I, I like that kind of attention to detail. It just shows that they cared about the project. Even though they were 
leverage into making sequels they didn't want to make. They're like, well, if we're going to do it, we might as well do it right. Yeah. So, one more thing before we take a little break. Um, the Western Union guy, when he pulls up and he gets out and he looks like a hitman. Mm-hmm. And he, he reaches into his coat. He's like, I've got something for you. And he whips out this packet. Yeah, and he has an attitude. Or yeah. it seems like his demeanor is yeah, very, he's like... Yeah, very grumpy and everything. Yeah. But then, like, as soon as he gets the letter, he just, like, switches his personality. And it's just, like, he's completely different. He's friendly yeah. and he's joking around and everything. I really like that. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of cool to do that. I do remember that a little bit from the commentary. They were saying that... I don't remember why they did that, but they were just saying it would... It was a fun idea they had to have the guy show up and just kind of almost like oh was he a bad guy like who is he kind of yeah. like a mystery <gasps> thing this guy and then it's just like oh we've got this letter for 100 years and or 70 years at that point yeah uh yeah i, I like that too it just again it's it's a fun thing that they didn't does mm-hmm. it does it need to be there no but is it is it a fun thing to add to the movie and in that sequence yes i think so yeah i agree all right so we are going to take a little break and we'll be right back Is there anything about, um, I think I covered most of the big things in the second movie I wanted to talk about. Anything? So there's one overall thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, about my, something that will show my, my growth as a human being and my maturity. So. Not toot your own horn or anything. No, not at all. But, uh, so when I was a kid. First of all, I how my my views and my opinions have kind of shifted in my old age. I've I've seen the third back to part three more than any of the other two, and that was because it's the only one I ever had on VHS. And then I finally got the first one, but that was it was recorded from off a of TV. Ah. That's why I mentioned on the first episode about how the the, uh, the, the swearing the swearing out, was like... you know censored. But the third one I actually had on VHS. So I saw that one the most. I didn't. I didn't even. So I saw the third one. Saw the first one. Never saw the second until a friend of mine showed it to me, and that one was my favorite. The second one. The second one was my favorite, and I thought the third one was boring. I didn't like the third one because it was the most boringest. <laughs> but the. Uh, the most boringest. But the second one I thought was exciting because it was very fast paced. Um. You know, it was just right off the gate. There's just like crazy shit going on, and it's like, and they're jumping around from this time period to this time period. And there's like a lot of time travel, and it's very, you know, very exciting. Mm-hmm. Whereas the third one, it's just like, okay, you're in the 1800s, and there's no like cool things. It's all just like horses and dirt and stuff. 1800s. Yeah, but when I was a kid, I thought that was boring. You didn't now, want to be a cowboy. No, not as a kid. <gasps> I I was into like science fiction. Like, I, I, didn't I liked, even know you. I liked. That's why I liked the prequels when I was a kid because I liked the flashy lights and the explosions. Mm. Uh, but now that I've grown, I actually think I like I like I definitely like part three more than I like part two. I think part three is more cohesive. I think part two can get. I still I still think they're all great. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're all like A level movies. Um, but part two can get a little convoluted because it's so fast, so fast paced and there is so much going on in it. Whereas the third one is more grounded and 
I have a, a much more appreciation for westerns now mm-hmm. than I did as a kid. And I like that they, in the third movie, they're like, straight up like, oh, we're just going to make a western, but then put our Back to the Future-y stuff in it. Yeah. So that was just something I want to mention that. So what'd you think of part three? Uh. How was it as a, <laughs> as a finale to the trilogy? I mean, it was, it was okay. <laughs> I, I do understand what little Josh was thinking by saying it was boring, you know, compared to the others. Like we watched this one immediately after watching number two. So it is a little more slower, but I do enjoy it. And I like seeing Doc meet someone and fall in love and everything and i don't know it, it definitely is slower paced than the other two i like the first one the best like that one well, is see, definitely my favorite oh yeah i mean like i said i as when it comes to the sequels i think I, like i said i think part three is a stronger movie than the second but obviously none of them hold a candle to the first one which is as close to perfection as you can get all right and we are back I kind of, again, I like, I kind of, now I appreciate the slow burn of the third one. And I don't even think it's that slow because there's always something going on. The story's constantly progressing. But yeah, like you said, there's a lot of it, a lot of the time spent in the third movie is the relationship between Doc and his new girlfriend, which of course, when I was a boy, I thought that was stupid. Like I didn't, I didn't like girls when I was a kid. So I liked cars and (laughs) motorcycles and airplanes, Star Wars. Yeah. Like I said, that's. So anything that had to do with anything that was drama related, I thought was stupid. And a lot of, like I said, a lot of what the third movie is, but, but now I recognize it for what it is that it's like, okay, it's the entire story coming full circle, right? So Marty's learning his lessons, Doc's learning lessons. Well, I mean, look at one of the big songs in, uh, in stories of the first movie is the power of love. Yeah. And now in this movie, okay, now Doc's learning what that power is because he's always they they it's a part of the movie is that he's always thinking scientifically and logically. And then they have the conversation, it's like, well, uh Marty tries to explain to Doc what love is. Like you can't explain it. It's just something that Which, that you, you know, feel. He ex- like he explains to Doc, you know, it's something you feel. You can't explain how falling in love happens. But when Doc's like, I don't want to leave, I love her, Marty's like, oh, come on, Doc, like, get over it. Like, for somebody that's supposed to have been in love, he doesn't seem to understand what Doc is going through. Well, I, I, think, he, I think he does, and that's why he's trying to get through to him. Because, well, it, it's kind of a, a reciprocal conversation between the two of them, because Marty also grows a lot in this movie, where because he, he's been listening to Doc about everything he's been trying to tell him about not knowing too much about your destiny and you know uh being careful with with the things you do and the things you know that can change the timeline and all of that so so marty's been listening to doc and he's like okay you've been teaching me all these things now here you are not thinking logically because of the way you feel which is exactly it's the opposite of what you've been trying to tell me so i don't think when when marty's explaining to doc what love is i don't think it's i don't think he's encouraging him to to fall in love he's just explaining because because doc's trying to say like this doesn't make sense like this is not who i am but part two can get a little convoluted because it's so fast so fast paced and there is so much going on in it whereas the third one is more grounded and i have a a much more appreciation for westerns now Mm -hmm. than i did as a kid and i like that they in the third movie they're like straight up like oh we're just gonna make a western but then put our back to the future stuff in it yeah so that was just something I want to mention that 
how my my views and my opinions have kind of shifted in my old age yeah your old age mm -hmm. you old man is there anything about um i think i covered most of the big things in the second movie i wanted to talk about anything no. so there's one overall thing i wanted to talk about uh about my something that will show my my growth as a human being and my maturity so not toot your own horn or anything no not at all but uh so when i was a kid first of all i i've i've seen the third back to part three more than any of the other two and that was because it's the only one i ever had on vhs and then i finally got the first one but that was it was recorded from off a of tv ah. that's why i mentioned on the first episode about how the uh, the swearing the swearing was you know censored but the third one i actually had on vhs so i saw that one the most i didn't i didn't even i so i saw the third one saw the first one never saw the second until a friend of mine showed it to me and that one was my favorite the second one the second one was my favorite and i thought the third one was boring i didn't like the third one because it was the most boringest but the uh <laughs> the most but the second one I thought was exciting because it was very fast paced. Um, you know, it was just right off the gate. There's just like crazy shit going on. And it's like, and they're jumping around from this time period to this time period. And there's like a lot of time travel. And it's very, you know, very exciting. Mm -hmm. Whereas the third one, it's just like, okay, you're in the 1800s and there's no like cool things. It's all just like horses and dirt and it's stuff. 1800s. Yeah, but when I was a kid, I thought that was boring. You didn't now, want to be a cowboy? No, not as a kid. <gasps> I, I was into, like, science fiction. Like, I, I, I liked... I liked... That's why I liked the prequels when I was a kid, because I liked the flashy lights and the explosions. Mm. Uh, but now that I've grown, I actually think... I like, I like... I definitely like part three more than I like part two. I think part three is more cohesive. I think part two can get. I still, I still think they're all great. I mean, don't get me wrong; they're all like A level movies. This isn't. I don't see myself doing that. And then somebody's trying to tell him, like, of course it can happen. It can happen to anyone because of these reasons. But then when it actually does happen, Marty's like, "Oh crap! This is a threat to, you know, what we're trying to accomplish." Yeah. So uh, you mentioned you mentioned the scene where Marty's trying to tell doc to use his brain use his logic versus his heart i like that moment because i think that's when the student has now become the teacher because like i said doc's been trying to uh teach marty like all these concepts and like trying to tell him how important these things are and then finally at this moment doc's not thinking straight because he's you know in love. in love and his brain's clouded with testosterone and all those other things he's probably not too familiar with at that point um and it takes marty i, I like um when marty shows doc the letter that he sent him uh, um in 1955 i think yeah that was in the second movie yeah and he gets all he gets all choked up and he's like i yeah. didn't realize i could write something so beautiful and is it Marty's like, yeah, it was great. Then the second movie or the beginning of this movie? It's the beginning well, of this. this. It was the second. Why would the 1800s doc read his own letter? 
No, like it's in the beginning of this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in in yeah, fifty five. Yeah, beginning of the third one yeah, in nineteen fifty five. Yeah, because the second one ends in fifty five. Yeah. And we pick back up. And in so he's 55. he's with the fifty five doc yes. and they um, find the Delorean and they. Pick yep, it they up. find the Delorean. It's been in a cave. But yeah, I I like when he's reading it. It's like, it's kind of like almost as in those movies where you see or hear somebody they're doing a voiceover for a letter they sent or something and but it's like doc reading his own letter and then he gets all like emotional because he's like i didn't realize i could write something yeah like yeah this. that's that's kind of that's one of the fun things about this movie is because and especially like doc you you we see a lot of different versions of doc too it's not as there's not as many drastic differences as like the biff character but you know marty has adventures with a lot of different versions of Doc. The one in the 50s, the one yeah. from his current time. Then he goes back to the 1800s and it's like, okay, well, this is the Doc that's been through everything you just uh-huh. went through in the first two movies. So it's... So yeah. he, he's kind of more seasoned, more more mature. He understands. Yeah. So, and is... so yeah, it's like... I, I do. I agree. I think it's a good moment. And uh, it's like, can you imagine yourself like seeing something that you did or created in the future and then being like, I didn't realize I was capable of this. (laughs) Right. So, there's a part, I don't know if we've talked enough about, like, cinematography of this whole thing, which, I mean, they're not. We haven't talked at all about that. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, And they don't have, like, a lot of, like, cool shots or anything like that, but there's one in the third movie. Sorry, I'm out of breath. Um that I really like. It's Doc and Marty having a conversation and they're facing each other and they're they're both in the shot because Marty's looking in the mirror and Doc's standing next to the mirror so the, the camera's next to Marty so you can't really see Marty if it weren't for the mirror and I just think that's like a really cool way to have their conversation. It's like they're standing next to each other but like they're not i can't really explain it because like i said i'm out of breath right now okay well they actually they do that a lot when they do there's a lot of scenes where like they have an actor who's interacting with themselves so like in the second movie you have old biff talking to young biff and you can always tell like they have there's a separation in between them in in the shot and i mean sometimes you can tell that where uh where they were inserted in, into the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes it's really obvious because the lighting is different or something mm-hmm. like that. But overall, I think for its time, I mean, mid to late 80s, the fact they were able to pull it off as convincingly as they did, I think it's pretty freaking oh, yeah, impressive. yeah, definitely. It's like a, a parent trap type thing, just with... I don't know what that is. You never saw the Lindsay Lohan movie? I know of it. I... <sighs> All right, well... <laughs> that's good to Maybe know. Maybe that's an idea for an episode. Josh <laughs> reviews an uh, old girl film. But yeah, I just thought that one was really creative. Because it wasn't like he was talking to himself. He was talking to Doc. But it was just like, it made the conversation really cool. Having them, you know... Never mind. You don't get it. Well, maybe if I knew exactly what scene you're talking about, I'd have more to say. I will say that... Uh, when you're talking about cinematography, I think one of the things that they do in every movie is they do 
this wide shot of the town and i think that's cool because you get to see like the differences and this is what hill valley looks like in 1985 this is what it looks like in 55 and then in 2015 this is what it looks like and then the third movie it's like okay this is hill valley before it was even like a real town it was just a settlement Mm -hmm. so they do that same shot in every movie um so i think that's cool that is cool the way that they do that it's like introducing you to the town all over again all right well we just went back and watched it yeah, so we just reviewed the scene. Now now I know exactly what she's talking about, and I completely agree. I think I remember kind of noticing this when I watched it uh, when I was younger about how it was really cool that you're, like you said, you're seeing Doc They're in facing the same you. frame. They're in the same frame, but you're seeing both their faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marty's in the mirror. So the, mar- the mirror's next to Doc, and so you're seeing Marty in the mirror and then Doc standing next to the mirror. As they're talking to one another. I just thought that was like a really cool shot. No, it was very, very creative way to do it. Yeah, they had to, can you imagine like how they they had to get those angles like just right to Mm -hmm. be able to get. I can imagine. Get that in there. Um, So yeah, that's that's kind of different than what I was talking about earlier about the Mm -hmm. whole uh, basically splicing. Yes, the the person's face and yeah, the the tooth. Or, well, like because this is a lot of trickery that they do in uh tv shows and stuff too where you have like the actor playing two different characters and they're interacting like they're interacting Mm -hmm. with themselves because they didn't have cgi back then so they had to be it was a little bit more technical in how you integrated those those scenes yeah so that was what i was talking about but what you're talking about is like the camera angles and yes the angles yeah I don't know, it just like you said, it, you have to get the angles just right, especially to be able to get both Doc and the mirror in there without getting the camera in right. there. Yeah. Yeah, and you you have more of an eye for that than than I do. But um, yeah, it's interesting that they they took the time to again because this isn't like it's not like they were trying to make the Citizen Kane of time travel movies, <laughs> you know that they were. So it's interesting that they they did take the time to you know implement some some uh, some cool some cool visual techniques yeah. yeah. Hey, you're a scientist, so don't tell me what you think and hear in your chest. Tell me what what makes sense up here. So I think I I've always thought that was a good moment. Yeah. No. Yeah, I agree. That is a good moment. Uh, so to go back a little bit to what we were discussing before about um, where I said Marty becomes the teacher, um, I think Marty in general shows a lot of growth in the third movie. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that they kind of establish in the second movie, and then it's an ongoing story or character arc in the third movie, is Marty's um, inability to walk away from a challenge. He kind of has a little bit of an attitude problem where when somebody calls him chicken in some way that triggers something in him where he's like he has to prove them wrong mm-hmm. which as we learn kind of leads him down the wrong path he makes mistakes in the future which ruins his life but but anyway so so marty's character arc so he he's a hot and i don't think this was really a thing in the first movie necessarily so i think it was something they came up with when they were asked to do the sequels um so he can't back down from a fight. It's going to get him killed, ultimately, at the end when he's facing off against Buford. 
Um, he finds a way around that using the, the Clint Eastwood trick. And then at the very end, you know, we know that what happens to him in the future is he gets in a car accident, which basically injures him to such a, an extent that he can't continue his uh, passion as a musician and kind of, you know, sets a dark path for his for his life from there on. But because he's learned so much throughout this adventure, when Needles challenges him to that race at the end, he's like, fuck that guy. He's an asshole. I'm not... No, I'm not going to get roped into doing something stupid just because he called me a name. Yeah. And so, and then that ends up changing the future. So mm-hmm. it's like, because he's grown, he's matured, he's learned things from it. So, so in a very short time, I mean, really when you think about it, days. when it comes to Marty himself, yeah. it only takes place over a few days. Yeah. <laughs> a week at the most, maybe. Yeah. Um, but he learns and grows so much from all those, from all that experience. And they're really careful about Doc not telling him, like, that's exactly what happened. So Marty has to, like, learn learn from his mistakes and grow on his own. And so by the end of the third movie, we really have seen his growth. Because he has all these people around him, like, telling him. He, he learns about, you know, his uh, ancestor with the same, ironically, the same name, who, had, who was a hothead and mm-hmm. got him into trouble. He learns that he does something rash that gets him into trouble in the future. And because of his experiences, he uh, and in fact, the fact that he couldn't back down from a challenge is what is going to end up getting him killed in the past. Yeah. Um, as Clint Eastwood, <laughs> which is um, awesome that he chose that name, um, well, which is also a good... It's uh, like the callback to the second movie because that's what Biff was watching. I was just going to say that. It's another cool callback that they do in the movie is... Uh, which is so subtle. Like if you weren't, if you're not really paying attention, you would completely miss yeah. it. Especially if you watch the movies when they came out, like a year apart yeah. from each other. But in the second movie, there's <clears throat> Biff is watching a Clint Eastwood movie where Clint puts on uh, he put some kind of metal on his chest, basically creates a bulletproof vest, and Marty walks in, sees it, and so he ends up using that same tactic when he's in the Old West mm-hmm. against Buford, which is it's just a that's a cool, fun callback. He kind of turns into a dweeb, and he just acts very like nerdy and everything. Yeah, because he is a nerd because yeah. he's he's dedicated his whole life to science. He's probably a, you know, a dork, so he doesn't understand. He doesn't know how to interact with a woman because he's never really had to. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and he wants to. With the time machine, he mentions figuring out the greatest mystery, which is the woman. Women, yep. <laughs> which is what every man seems to want to find out. We're not really that mysterious. Yeah, I think even with a time machine, you'll never figure We're it out. We're not that mysterious. Feed us and treat us nice and we'll be happy. Okay. <laughs> I think if it was that easy, we would have figured it out by it's now. It's pretty easy. Uh, so one... I was waiting for you to mention this, but doesn't Doc say something in this movie that... A couple times. Yeah, a couple times. What, what What's that line? You're not thinking fourth dimensionally. Isn't that the name of our show? I think it is. <laughs> yeah, so this, uh, this line, I always liked it as a kid. Even though I wasn't, as I stated earlier, I wasn't a huge fan of this particular movie well i mean i liked it i just i just thought it was more boring than the other two but anyways 
he never he doesn't say this line until this movie and he says it a couple of times and it's kind of played off comedically because like uh doc tells him that a couple tells marty that a couple of times and marty's like you're not, you're just you're just not thinking fourth dimensionally and marty's like yeah i got, I got a problem with that because <laughs> he doesn't understand like what doc's saying and, but for me i was like oh that makes total sense because what, what he's trying to say is like okay you're you're looking at you're looking at the picture like on a surface level like the way i interpret it is like if you're gonna think fourth dimension so like you have a picture maybe it's maybe it is a 3d picture it's in three dimensions but maybe there's a fourth dimension that um that you that maybe it's not so obvious but if you think about it it might be there mm -hmm. and so i've always kind of interpreted that as uh and why i thought it was be a good name for our show not that i think i'm a, I'm a genius but it just it, it kind of encourages the um the practice of just not taking things on its surface not at its face value and actually digging underneath and thinking about things from different angles and different perspectives yeah which i th i feel like is what a scientist would actually do it's like okay here's our data this is what it seems to show but is that what it really is like let's dig into it a little bit further so you have to look deeper than surface level sometimes you should i think yeah. you should if you just blindly believe what what people tell you then i mean you're you're not an individual at that point you're just you're a sheep mm -hmm. but if you're if you and i'm not saying you should question everything and be like a conspiracy theorist but i think a healthy level of skepticism skeptimism uh, i just it's, made it's i just made that word up you're not you're not thinking fourth dimensionally <laughs> No, a little some healthy skepticism is a good thing like you should be like okay well is this actually true maybe i should do my own research and come yeah. to my own conclusion look a little deeper absolutely so that's the origin of our title is from back to the future part three what else you got doc can't hold his liquor yes and what he's what, a super lightweight yeah i think it's funny i always like that line too where uh where how much has he had none, none. he just, just he just, just likes like to, to hold, hold it, it. <laughs> <laughs> but then he finally he gets all excited because marty comes in and says we, we gotta go where back to the future and he's like right and then they do a toast in the saloon uh, and then the bartender's like no and he takes it he takes the shot and passes out immediately because yep. um so when doc falls in love with Clara, is it? Mm -hmm. yeah. But then they end up um, making this concoction called Wake Up Juice. Mm. Wake Up Juice. Which, which uh, I can't remember the name of the YouTube channel, but if you if you look it up, uh, there's a gentleman out there who actually made the actual cocktail from the movie and tried it. Didn't seem to like it. He didn't say it was the worst thing, um, but it was gross. But then he ended up doing his own... He came up with his own wake-up juice, what he would consider wake-up juice, and he said that actually tasted pretty good. I mean, don't so. people kind of sort of, like, which, what was in the wake-up juice? There was, well, there was, like, Tabasco and... Is there liquor in wake-up juice? No. No, because okay. the whole point, because the point it's of the... sobering you up. He's trying to sober him up. That makes sense. Yeah. Which isn't, biologically, it's not possible to do that, but, um, 
that's what they were trying to portray in the movie. Yeah, you learn that when you get your bartender's certificate, that there's, <laughs> it's not possible. Also, people apparently run for fun now. Yeah, some people do. <laughs> I like that, that quote. Some people, some people run because it's away from something, but, but yeah, when he's, when Doc's going through his depression, his breakup depression, and his, uh, trying to explain to the drunks in the saloon what uh what the future is like run for fun what the hell kind of fun is that yeah which is me i'm like i'm gonna run for fun are you crazy i agree that it is for recreation and i try to run so that i can you know be healthy but yeah I, i wouldn't necessarily call it fun so yeah, we learned that, okay, so Doc has a girlfriend, and it's Clara Clayton. Okay, well now we know who Clara is, because Doc gets the letter, oh, it's a school teacher coming into town, and she needs somebody to kind of, like, introduce her, and, um... And Doc volunteered to be the one to yeah, do that. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. So it's like, okay, well, that's who Clara is. Well, then they find out, well, then uh, they go and they save her, and then they find out that she was supposed to crash into the ravine and die. So it's like, well, how the hell was he supposed to meet her and uh, start a relationship with her if she was supposed to crash into that ravine? Like, I've never been able to make sense of all of this, like how it's all supposed to... It's like, did, did he alter the timeline when he fell in love with her? Did, was he supposed... Did he save her and previously, before Marty showed up? previously, before Marty showed up. But they don't really say that because yeah. um, when Marty, I mean, it's not like they show in 1955 that the ravine was still named Clayton Ravine. Yeah. It just, it just kind of feels like one of those things that they, they kind of made up as they went a little bit. Do you think that it, it do you think that the timeline gets a little murky with, with Clara? What do you mean? So I get, I get, con- I've been con as many times as I've watched this movie, I get confused with... So they, they mention how... Uh, so we first get introduced to her as a character when... Um, when Doc saves her? No, when she's on the tombstone. Oh, yeah. Like, beloved that's Clara. Right. Yeah, so beloved. so it's like... And that's part of the conversation between Doc and Marty when he gets there. Is We were talking about earlier about how... Uh, he's like, how could I... What do you mean beloved? Like, that's not me. I don't have a beloved. <clears throat> And I think you learned that as a college student when you're well, trying to sober up for college, class. So. <laughs> yeah, but I think they kind of wanted to have some sort of thing where it would make it okay for her to tag along with him. Like if she was supposed to die anyway, that means that she didn't have a future with someone else. So that means that she could. That's tag true. Along so they didn't alter her. the timeline too yeah. much by her yeah. leaving. So they wanted some sort of excuse that, of why that she make, can do that. That makes sense. I think it was just just the whole. I agree. Uh, it, it is a little murky when it comes to like when, how things happened, and why. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of that though. That if she was supposed to be, because it, there is a, a lot that happens in the movie where. Well, but there again, it's like, a lot happens in the movie. A doc does a lot of things in the movie because of her, and if she was supposed to die in that ravine, then how did any of that happen? Like. He never would have gone to, gone to the uh, the festival where he gets shot in the back, 
and then dies a few days later, which is what's supposed to happen. I think she was supposed to have died in the ravine if Doc wasn't there. So you, but so, well, here again, but you're saying, but Doc, you, you say that Doc was supposed to save her, right? But Doc wouldn't have been in that area where well, he could save her. If, listen, he wouldn't have been in that area where she was to crash in the ravine if it wasn't for Marty being there because they were going to check out the railroad. This is just, this is. Yes, this is the time travel this is stuff. This time travel movie stuff that just gets confusing of what and how things happened. I just think these movies just prove that we should not have time machines because things just get messed up. No matter what you do, no matter what good you want to do, things just get messed up. Well, I agree. I just It's just something I want to point out because as much as these movies do a great job of handling all that kind of stuff, the, the time travel stuff and the and continuity, that's one that's always stood out to me. It's the, the Clara stuff has always been very... It's like, I don't think this really adds up the way yeah. it's supposed to no i agree that that's it's a good point i didn't really think of it like that before i mean un unless i missed something i yeah i don't know i didn't catch anything maybe we're not thinking fourth dimensionally maybe that's the problem yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's about all i got that sums up uh our trip through the Back to the Future trilogy, which I would argue is probably one of the top five trilogies of all time. Mm -hmm. It's up there with Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, and Godfather. Wow. You're really putting it up there. I don't know what other trilogy... I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's, but I, no. that trilogy really falls apart in the end. Yeah. So, But there are a lot of trilogies out there, and I think this is one that's definitely worth recognizing and everyone should check out oh, yeah, if, you, if you haven't then i'm sorry we spoiled a bunch for you um i definitely think it's worth people watching yeah and maybe if you if you haven't seen it in a while then I'd yeah, go back go check it go out check it out have fun with it um so let us know what let us know what you all think uh let us know if you have any suggestions for the podcast we We've kind of only been talking about movies that we we like so far. So if you want to hear like us pick movies apart a movie like. we don't like, or uh, yeah. we've talked about maybe doing a, a commentary, a commentary track where we just kind of like watch through a movie, have some adult beverages, and just discuss what's going on in the movie. Um, we try to keep these discussions to about an hour or so. So if you want to hang out longer than that. Let us know. Let us know. You know, and, in uh, YouTube, you can comment below. Um, if you're wa listening on Anchor or Google Podcast or wherever else you can find the podcast, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can let us know there what you feel we should watch next and talk about. Yeah, we appreciate this. any suggestions. So. Yeah. We appreciate you guys sticking around this long. All right, we're going to make like a tree. And yeah, we're going to get...